this week on the Glass Cannon Podcast. Temples in the distance, bustling market squares, gold-plated everything, silver-plated everything. The heroes approach a breathtaking city. As you approach guards outside the tunnels leading into the city. What is your business in Yanderhof? And hope to find a moment's peace. Baron, you get to have some of your old drinks. I mean, great ales from uh, all around the world. But evil still lingers beneath the surface. You can feel the darkness permeating the A halls. sense of dread, perhaps. Yes. Uh, it's palpable. Infecting even the incorruptible. Matthew, you always play a woman who's disappointed with us, and today we play men disappointed in you. The adventure reaches Yenderhof right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Glass Cannon Podcast. It's your boy, Grant Berger, a.k.a. Baron Ashpeak. Guys, we are coming up on the holiday season, and I want to wish everyone out there a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a joyous Kwanzaa. I'm excited to head back to Dallas this Christmas and spend time with the fam, and I hope everyone out there gets time to spend time with their loved ones this month. Please, be sure to grab all of your loved ones' phones and subscribe to the Glass Cannon Podcast on their iTunes account. Hey, if you're identical twins like my nieces, just grab your twin's iPhone 10 and hack into their account with your face. Just kidding. So, speaking of family get-togethers, Skid is back from Denver, and while I wish he could be doing this intro, I can tell you that he cannot shut up about what a great time he had at the meetup in Denver, and how much fun he had talking with everyone there. I can also tell you how excited we are to be in a studio finally. This space is really going to open up a ton of possibilities for us, even as it's creating a million and one headaches on its own. The fact that we're even in a studio is all thanks to your support on Patreon. Again, without your support, we never would have reached the milestone that we did this Friday, which is unlock Skid's own actual play podcast in the ruins of Aslant. So to everyone out there who pledges, thank you so much. And while we're talking about Patreon and our patrons, I just want to recap the situation that has fallen into our lap as we understand it now. In the past, Patreon has charged content creators themselves the fees necessary to process pledges. However, this cost is now being passed on to supporters. We know that this puts people who are already on tight budgets into a difficult situation. And I'm going to start by apologizing for this coming out of the blue. It surprised us just as much. And even though this wasn't our decision, we understand it may have caused you inconveniences or confusion along the way. Your support, each and every one of you, has put us in a position to where we can really knock 2018 out of the park and get the ball rolling on everything we've been talking about. We really hope that you'll be able to keep your pledges going, and we promise to continue to deliver great bonus content for those that do. And while 2018 may be the year of the dog in the Chinese Zodiac calendar, it's going to be a glass cannon puppy, and we're going to grow it into a badass top dog. We promise to do everything we can to get better day by day, and we want to thank you for coming along this incredible journey with us. Speaking of delving into an incredible journey, I want to thank those of you who came out and hung out with me while I was on my lonesome with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Remember that every Friday we're going to bring new exciting games and hang out with you guys, and you can join us and get to know the rest of the GCP Nation in the chat room at twitch.com slash theglasscanon. 
And guys, as a holiday present to all of you, we are excited to announce our new and improved website. Visit it today and check out all of the new content. We have pictures of every monster and major character from episode 1 to 133 up for your perusal. We have our old articles from Tumblr, like Joe's We Are Stupid, and we have a merch store up, so pick up a hat or a shirt today. In 2018, each and every one of us will be updating the blog with our own content. So you're going to want to bookmark glasscannonpodcast.com and make it the front page of your internet. Take that, Reddit. Anyways, without further ado, I would like to welcome each and every one of you to episode 133. There have been many special days in the history of the Glass Cannon Podcast. Take you back to June 16th, 2015. A young Joe Piscopo (laughs) (laughs) taught a nation how to laugh. (laughs) 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 Episode one premiered to tens of listeners all around the globe. Five of them are us. Five of them are us, (laughs) downloaded twice (laughs) from two different devices. Then, episode 50. Who could forget that? If you're just starting today and listening to 133, stop what you're doing. Because I'm about to ruin it for you. Gormley dies, episode 50. You were about to say, if you're just starting today, you can't, you can't, like, you just wait till you get to episode 50, right? And then you realize you halfway through time. that... To actually stop. I didn't actually... Well, they shouldn't have started at one. Well, they shouldn't have. They should have known not to start. It's their own been, damn fault. You know what? I'm going to start at the newest one and work my way backwards. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't like mysteries and... Uh, I, 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 just, I really like prequels. Well, I just thought it would, it would be addressing the most current events. Oh, right. What happened? Oh. I don't even remember. I don't. Flash forward to uh, this last March. Mm-hmm. Launched a Patreon. Can't remember the exact day. But... Uh, June of this year announced a partnership with Paizo. Why is today special? Because for the first time in over two and a half years of recording like a garage band, packing up shop and moving from apartment to apartment, Airbnb floor to dingy alley, we are in our own recording studio. Yay! This is nice. It's very yeah, nice. I never want to go home. <laughs> There's something very cozy about it. The loft feels like a little treehouse, like it's a one giant bunk bed. I just want to go hang out in the loft and like cuddle with myself. <laughs> My cats would love it here. But more importantly, <coughs> yeah! we're up in the champagne room, motherfucker. We could call it the champagne room, that up there. That should be the name of the studio. Yeah. Well, that's the, the loft. Oh, the loft, the loft the should be the champagne room. room. You know what they say about the champagne room? Um, what? What do they say? Lots of sex in the oh. champagne room. <laughs> it's going to be so much sex in the studio. I'm, <laughs> that was the first rule we put down. There will be no sex in the studio. Grant. Sorry. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Everyone walked in today and it was quite a scene. Let me tell you. I was not expecting that. <laughs> so exciting. With the super, no less. <laughs> That's how we got such a good deal. Um, <laughs> oh, we are so punchy. Um, well, we are moved in. We are ready to go, but it is time to move in to a new 
chapter in the story of these five intrepid heroes. Pembroke, Lork, Sir Will, Faraza, and Baron. Mm. In the distance, you see Yanderhof. Yanderhof, a marvel of architecture, both modern and ancient. Now, Lork, we've already established you've been here before. Yes. You know what to expect. You probably weren't warmly greeted by the dwarves. Oh, a green skin. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you you were traveling with the Black Arrows. I would assume they were a mix of everybody. Yeah, there was a certain amount of respect given to them, I think. Yeah. It's a nice so. watch. Right. You know, they're welcome in every village. You know, you've been to all the towns in and around the mine spins during your Black Arrow days, but it's probably been 20 years since you've been here, wouldn't you say? 25, maybe? Yeah, 20. Yeah. Yeah. About 20. As you approach, you see these tunnels leading in. That's the only way in. Guards outside the tunnels leading into the city. Pembroke, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've only read about this, right? Have you yeah, been? I don't, I don't think Pembroke has ever been here. I mean, he definitely knows a lot about it just from reading, but, but yeah. It's got to be exciting. Oh, yeah. This has a very Lord of the Rings feel, which I'm sure you can uh, get excited about. The sort I'm, of like, yeah, you know, picturing, it's a combination of Moria. Uh, Khazad-dum and like in the movies like Gandalf like coming over the rise and seeing like Minas Tirith for the first time yes yeah it's it's beautiful the the beauty of it cannot be understated Faraza you're no uh, stranger to architectural wonders I'm sure growing up in Osiria full of them but I, I would I would I would imagine you can't help but be impressed with what you see ahead of you uh, I'm sure, yes, I'm sure she's impressed. But then again, she's a druid, so is she going to be that into man-made things? I mean, sure. Okay. People got to live. You're a tough nugget to crack. <laughs> Matthew, not Faraz. <laughs> <laughs> but no, a fair point. I mean, maybe there's some, uh, I'm sure there's some druids hanging out there. Maybe sure. you can find some and, and share some old druid stories. We can get get a little nasty with the, with the plant growth. <laughs> Sir um, Will, I, I would think you probably have never felt so small seeing this massive city, these massive walls. Sure, yeah. And other people, small of stature, like yourself, but there has to be a, a, a humbling feeling, especially as someone who takes everything so uh, emotional. As, uh, as a follower of Shailen, as well as Iomaday, you have to appreciate the beauty and Oh yeah, the beauty back. certainly, and the the architecture and all that stuff. But I I think he also is just excited. I mean, I think the halfling part of him is excited for this new adventure to see and interact in a new place that is civilized, a civilized place, which he's very much looking forward to seeing. I'm sure all of you have your ideas of what you'd like to do. Inside Yanderhof, you haven't been in a civilization in a long time, all of you. And Baron, you know how this works. Only way in are those tunnels, and they're guarded. You guys roll up. How are we transporting Lork? Did we decide you're still on horse, Faraza? I think uh, that's what it was, right? Yeah, or we, or I mean, how many days did it take us to get here? Um, it took three, three and a half days. Yeah, she's probably just carrying him on horseback. Just <laughs> <laughs> not worth building a litter. Can you be a horse all day long? Eight hours. Eight hours. Okay, I'll so see you're traveling. But then I can just unwild shape and wild shape back. If we're if we're making if we're trying to make good time. I would have to imagine that is uh, three and a half days of riding Feraza has to bring you guys a little bit closer. Can you talk as a as a, a human? Uh, as a matter of fact, I can. You can. Oh, 
Wait, uh, Mr. Ed? I have the... I have, really? Hello! I you, just have to put, you have to put peanut butter oh, on her teeth. <laughs> and it looks like... Just on the roof of my mouth, it just seems like she's talking. Right, yeah, exactly. Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey is playing the voice of Faraz as the horse. Um, hey, Locke! Are we there yet? Half <laughs> Locke! No, as a matter of fact, Faraz took the wild, sh- wild speech feet. So she can, oh, when she's mild, she, that's how she can cast all of her spells with verbal components. Get out of here. That is a cool feat. I, I'd never heard of that. So she can speak any language she knows. Wait, you, you have to have wild speech and natural spell to cast spells with a verbal component? Yeah. While wild shaped? Yeah, yeah. So all those years you did I've been wrong, cheating Joe. for a long wow. time. <laughs> years of cheating exposed. <laughs> oh, I take it back. Nope. Natural spell allows you to do it. Oh. Well, what was wild speech then? Just a completely wasted feat? I don't know. Just like allows you to converse. <laughs> allows you to have Gilbert Godfrey come. Oh, up. I think I, I also took it because it allows me to speak with other animals in oh, their language when uh, I'm in. Oh, that's that's what it is. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so I, you know, I, I did want to talk to Howie at some point, but I have to become a vermin. Oh, <laughs> you vermin. Well, you guys roll up and <laughs> you've got. I'm sorry. Am I the only one that thinks it's hysterical that you have to become a vermin to communicate with someone from Boston? <laughs> Man, the Pathfinder thought of everything. <laughs> oh, Joe. Uh, so you roll up an old man, a incapacitated green skin, uh, a horse, a talking horse. <laughs> Uh, a small. Hello, my friend. <laughs> Hello, my friend. Hello. Um, and uh, a halfling on a uh, on a on an armored wolf, and his name is Lexington, a dwarf. And so, Baron, you see, they kind of give, especially Lork an eye, but they see that he's incapacitated. And they say, only in Dwarven, which I know you speak. I would assume Pembroke speaks. Pembroke also speaks. Um, probably. So does Faraza. Uh, Faraza, uh, that makes sense. Understand. And they're like, what is your business in Yanderhof? We're here to return uh, the remains of a few very brave citizens of Yanderhof to their family. And uh, how did you come about to uh, find them? Were they part of your party? They were. Um, they were the Nargrimikins, Ingrahild and Umlo. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. But uh, you seem to be uh, of our kind. Uh, all right, just don't cause any trouble. Seems like this one won't be causing any trouble for a long time. So uh, you may pass. He lets you in. Nice to meet you, my friend, the horse says. <laughs> ha! <laughs> I take it back. You're not allowed in. You walk inside this tunnel. And I, I, I hope I haven't given the wrong impression when I say tunnel because the only thing that's not luxurious about them is the non-existent views because they are gorgeous. There isn't a piece of exposed rock that hasn't been masterfully carved into some shape, either decorative or symbolic. Baron, you see symbols everywhere. Even though mostly you would know that the dwarves mine the shit out of this mountain, you don't see blue-collar dwarven coal miners walking around covered in soot. Gold-plated 
everything. Silver-plated, everything. Copper. Temples in the distance. Bustling market squares. All underground, of course. Commerce. Intense, flavorful smells of what would be pretty exotic food for most of you, I'm sure, and a bittersweet reminder of home for Baron. After about 10, 15 minutes of walking around, I would imagine you don't know if you've ascended upwards towards the heart of the mountain or you've gone halfway down to the center of the earth with all the twists and turns and the elevation is so subtle as you move through, you don't know where you are. But you are in a dwarven sky citadel, one of the last remaining ones, and it is breathtaking. So risk a little more light. (laughs) (laughs) You all have business that you want to attend to. Some, you know, just selling and buying of goods, upgrading yourselves for the battles to come. Some probably more personal. But I would assume pretty quickly you're going to want to find a base of operations. I don't know how long you're going to be in Yanderhof, but am I correct in assuming you might want to find an inn or something? that you can kind of return to as you all go off and do your own things? That would be very nice, I think. These old bones could stand with a feather bed. Sir Will would actually offer to do the research and pick the place and reserve the rooms and, and take care of it. Send out an email. He has a particular <laughs> taste that he's looking for. Okay. <laughs> and uh, What is that taste? Uh, hot baths okay. are essential. Um, and lots of space, comfortable bedding... Uh, and room service, obviously. Are we staying for free on your Starwood Hotel points? Is that- <laughs> like, I have so many points racked up, Sheriff. It'll be five. <laughs> um, all right, so you know exactly the place to go to. I don't know the place. I, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look you around. Ask around. Yeah, you, know, you look around. But yeah, I feel like Sir Will can kind of sniff it out. He can, you know, the right people, the right vibe. He can, he can tell a good place to stay when he sees one. So gathering information and, and using the, your, oh, yeah. your natural knowledge and whatnot, you you find... Uh, hey, yeah, roll, roll a, a gather information diplomacy check. This is good. We're, we're going to be staying in the sewer. Knowledge nobility. Yeah, you can roll knowledge nobility. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got knowledge nobility. Oh, yeah. no, I don't. That's so pathetic. That's a great pa- paladin. Oh, that's uh, right. You don't. It's a great paladin of noble birth. <laughs> a noble, a paladin of noble birth. <laughs> and it, yeah. You know, the thing about paladins <laughs> is go. that Are they're gonna, not very skilled. They don't have a lot of skills. Are though. you going to read us an entire archetype right now? Uh, <laughs> oh. Hey, man. I'm just trying to <laughs> shut out the fans. I'm sorry that you're so hateful of the people that listen to this show. Matthew. I know you just read Halflings of Galarian last week, <laughs> but maybe you can enlighten us. I should tell everybody we've been setting up the studio for the last 12 hours. <laughs> oh <laughs> we're, my God. we're all completely exhausted. We had to get this record this episode today <laughs> so we're one bad die roll from all killing each other <laughs> i do have knowledge and ability a and failed it's, knowledge knowledge and ability it's better than my it. diplomacy so Ooh, oh there you go there we go 20 20 okay um yeah you find out uh, there is a great place um if you had failed you were going to be sent to this uh like half 
like a seedy motel slash like strip club called uh, <laughs> we'll call it the Hammer and Thongs. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said if, if we failed. If we failed. <laughs> well, you wanted something upscale. Yeah, I know. I was gonna send you to the Hammer and Thongs. I know exactly the place. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is a great place. <laughs> is Gilbert Godfrey a new yeah, what, what, what is this? I know a great place. It's a bisexual strip club called Hammer and Thongs. They got a little bit of for everybody. For the listeners, Troy is also squinting, just like Gilbert Godfrey <laughs> while he does it. Uh, no, uh, you find out about a place called the Gilded Hammer. Sounds good. Not too far from I where have you a, guys I have a new are. hammer myself. Ah, how apropos. Guys, check in. Beautiful bar area, lobby bar, <laughs> uh, pool bar. Uh, no pool swim bar. Up, no, swim no, up no. bar. It's uh, a, yeah, a swim up. It's a, a rooftop hot spring pool. bar. No, it's not in season. It's is late there October. Concierge. There, there is a concierge. Yes, uh, he recommends uh, doing some tubing <laughs> in the morning. Oh. Uh, <laughs> swim with the turtles. <laughs> uh, so, you, you know, there's a, there's a bustling uh, bar, lots of dwarves, but you do see noblemen walking in about. You have a, you would imagine there's uh, caravans that come through with rich, rich nobles, and they let their slaves do uh, a lot of the work while they stay in the nice hotels. So you guys are there, and it's pretty early in the day. You guys got a good jump on the day. Um, Faraza, you can probably jump out of horse form if you okay, want to lay Lork down. But if Lork <laughs> has business to do, which I, I know you do... Um, you're going to have to decide how you want to get around. Let's talk about what people want to do. Like, what does Baron want to do? So, Baron really wants to uh, take Ingrahild and, and Umlo's remains to their family. Oh, uh, that's going to be tough. I and mean, he's not sure. He's in a weird position because he wants to invite... Uh, well, I don't even know if Lork would want to take Ingrahild's ashes back after almost being decapitated with her. But he wants to invite... Uh, Lork and, and maybe Sir Will along, um, but he's also worried about what uh, the Nargrimkins' reaction will be to seeing a half-orc at their door with news of their child being dead, uh, and he doesn't know how to broach that, and then he also um, he became an inquisitor kind of in the wilds, so he'd like mm-hmm. to visit um, the High Temple of Torag here ah. in, in Yanderhof and uh, kind of get his blessing and maybe kind of settle some questions and if there's any chance any time left um he'd like to kind of research the name ash peak at all ah okay busy day busy day for barry he's got a lot on the docket uh roll a diplomacy check uh just kind of talking to the concierge see if he knows about the nargrimkins okay so diplomacy gets a 18 18 just like the guards out front and now a different class of people, the concierge, also doesn't know of them. Hmm. So you might have to, uh, on your way to visit the High Temple of, of Torag and, uh, you know, re- research in the libraries about the Ash Peak name, you may have to try and find out some more information. Sorry, is this a little weird? Is, isn't Nargrim Steelhand like a legendary dwarf? Uh, yes. So, like, the name Nargrimkin doesn't ring any bells to them? Does not ring any bells to them. Well, it was a long time ago, and his tomb was so lost to time and history that that they got lost looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, yeah, it it, it is rather interesting. Okay. Um, 
did you expect to come in and there'd be posters of Nargrim Steelhand everywhere? No, I just thought yeah. they would recognize the name. <laughs> right. So it's um, interesting that they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were so you liars. Might, you might have to dig a little bit more. Find mm. out what exactly. I'm just carrying around Umlo's remains. <laughs> Into their insides with a dagger. <laughs> <laughs> Lying thieves. Just start slaughtering. Dwarven turncoats. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only possible solution to this, this, this problem. Oh, my gosh. What is uh, Sir Will interested in doing uh, on this day? Sir Will is, uh, if Baron says anything to him about doing this, he is, uh, all about it. Um, he, he thinks that they should all get cleaned up first. He doesn't think that they should go anywhere in the condition that they're in. Uh, mainly because it's just rude to kind of show up stinking and, uh, covered in dried blood. Yeah. So, uh, he, but it's also just a pleasure thing. Like he wants to get all cleaned up. Um, so that's really the, the first thing on his mind. It. And then he wants to go to the first Church of Ioma Day that, that he can find. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure even though this is Dwarf Town, there will be a Church of Ioma Day. You might have to dig a little. Hopefully, Way yeah. more churches of Torag. Um, but, and okay. he'll, fall, he'll fall back on a Church of Torag. Absolutely. Sure. He just wants to go to a church. You yeah. know, he wants to get to some clergy. Feraza, what, what business do you have in Yanderhof? I mean, Sarvaza wants to get pick up some new armor, but I think otherwise she kind of wants to hang out with the true Nowans and just kind of like hear hear about the city that she's been, you know, sent to find. Hmm. That's it. ultimately she wants to go back there and find out what happened. Find out what happened to Pudir. To, to Pudir. So she's happy to go along with hang out with the true Nowans. Eventually, she's gonna have, we're gonna have to figure out a plan, but for now, she's happy to go with them. So Lork and Baron in particular. Yeah. have a, a special interest to you because they may be able to um, reveal information that might connect some dots for you about your... Especially Lork, he's a native. ...calling. Exactly. From the mean streets of now. Pembroke, what, what, do you, what do you want to do here? Uh, Pembroke has read about this place his entire life and um, he's, uh, well, he'd like to get cleaned up a bit, I suppose, and he'd like to do some shopping uh, to acquire some more spells to uh, kind of make up the loss of his uh, spell books but it also there is a he's heard that there is a, a spectacular natural cave formation that was uncovered by dwarven miners here in uh, 3402 AR and uh, <laughs> was left as is uh, out of their reverence for natural stone and it is supposed to be one of the great sites in uh, all of Arisia I'd really like to see that so he grabs a, a pamphlet from the rack outside the concierge's mm-hmm. desk uh, on the way in and you know, Feraza might be interested in seeing that as well, as a druid who's interested in like the natural state of yes, things. Maybe yes, you guys could true. bond over that. Yes, that perhaps. sounds delightful, my new Would you friend. like to come with me? I ah, would. Yes, I would be delighted. Uh, and he says, as uh, in uh, ancient Assyriani, um, as the eagle accompanies the falcon on the hunt for the fish, we shall go together under the earth. Under the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Lork, you're kind of a um, a burden, obviously. You you can't just, uh, all right, guys, I'll see you later. I'm going to go do my own thing and just crawl about town, <laughs> dragging yourself through the time, <laughs> the middle of Times Square. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. Just wasn't going to say how much. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my friends are very busy. <laughs> uh, you can get a little cart like Eddie Murphy had. Very, a trading yeah, places. trading places. Just <laughs> rolling down the streets. So the stuff you want to do, but like, what is your plan for getting around? 
And talk to me about what do you want to do and what your plan is. Who are you going to hitch your wagon to? Uh, well, I think Lork is his primary objective is to try to get his feet back, and he has a vague recollection of a, a priest, a dwarven priest here that was able to do that kind of magic because uh, he had done it before, if memory serves, for uh, Black Arrows in the past. And so he he thinks that this is a place where he can get that done. And his primary objective is to get that done, but he also needs to talk to Feyraza because of what she is looking for. And he knows information that she needs to know. Ah, And so I, I would imagine it's possible that even on horseback, he's like, could you, you know, accompany me to this place? And then he wants to talk to her um, when he arrives. Right. And I'm sure she's already expressed interest to you that, like, she wants to talk to you as well as yeah. a native Trenowin, like she yeah. has to Baron. And if he brought it up, if she brought it up before, he probably deflected a little bit and was like, when we get to Yanderhof, when we get to Yanderhof. He, uh, he's just kind of putting it off. I bet that horse wouldn't shut up the entire <laughs> And then what happened? <laughs> All right, then. So, uh, Baron, you guys ba- bathe up as much as you want to take part in the uh, you know, sort of extravagance um, that this particular, uh, the Gilded Hammer allows. Um when you're ready, Baron, you can go and do your thing. So you, you head out looking uh, first for a temple of Torag, hoping along the way to garner some information about the Nargrimkins. And, uh, you know, I, I imagine you sort of in a fugue state, walking about and just looking at all these dwarves in a society together. And you were a part of that. Um back in the Five Kings Mountains. Obviously, this is a much different scenario than the, the more rustic upbringing that you had, I would think. Um, was it fancy? Um, well, the Five Kings Mountains themselves are kind of, you know, sprawling, and there's all sorts of different areas. There's anywhere from slums to the upper class to everything. So I would say, if anything, this place is more centralized. Okay. It might be like going from, like, Los Angeles to New York City right. and seeing, like, everything kind of packed in together so so you, you're, you're walking about and it's pretty easy to you know ask a couple people where, where the uh, where the temple of Torag is and, and, and on your way there you, you kind of spy out of the corner of your eye um, a couple of kids playing uh, catch and the ball rolls up uh, and lands at your feet and uh, a little kid runs away from probably his brother with his mother and father in the distance and uh, like looks at you because the ball lands at your feet. And uh, Baron uh, reaches down to pick it up and as he looks up to hand it to the to the boy, um, he kind of remembers being a boy himself. And he kind of shakes his head and isn't sure where he is for a moment and kind of all of his childhood kind of flashes in front of him and he says here's your ball can I ask you what your name is and then the boy looks very shy like he's not supposed to talk to strangers um my name my name is Runyon Runyon what do you want to be when you grow up uh, I want to be a, a warrior. 
That's a lonely path, Runyon. Why don't you go home tonight and give your parents a hug before you go to bed? He kind of scurries off, and by now the the mother is kind of walked towards you and just grabs the son and kind of gives you a weird look because you got to be you got to be a sight. Yeah, you got to be a sight. I don't know if you have got a good shave. We all do. We all, we've all got to be. And she just kind of you know cur- curtly nods and, and ushers him away, but you can tell they're looking at you like you're an outsider. And Baron's just totally disoriented. He hasn't seen like a family of dwarves in ages, mm-hmm. ages. He's the first dwarves he, he came across were Anger, Held, and Umlo. He watched both of them di- die mm-hmm. and has their remains in his bag of holding. Um, and he just never, he never thought that he would be back in an urban area of dwarves again. He thought he'd be kind of out in the belks and outskirts, kind of being a gunslinger. Hmm. And here he is. So he's just out of it, but he's looking for signs for a church now. Yep, and you do see the church, and you pass by even more families taking their Wednesday stroll, whatever day of the week it is. Um, And you walk up to these beautiful, ornate doors uh, that are open, kind of at the end of this cobblestone road. You walk inside, and it appears to be pretty empty. Pews go all the way up to the front. This huge altar. Last time you were in a cathedral, you were having battle after battle after battle. Uh, this is certainly not a cathedral. Definitely not the size of what you're used to. But it's there's not a stone that hasn't been shaped for that has some meaning to it. Mm. It's very hallowed. The minute you pass over the the threshold, you can feel the presence mm. of Torag but you don't see anyone in there. Um, so in lieu of a rectory or, or kind of a, a church dwarf lady at the front that I could ask <laughs> questions for. Wasn't that special? I, uh, <laughs> Dana Carvey and Gilbert Godfrey in the same episode. What great booking. <laughs> we used to get Daniel Craig and Daniel Day-Lewis, and so now we're going with these C-list comedians. Um, anyway, so... Um, we spent all our money on the studio. <laughs> <laughs> with our yearly budget. <laughs> uh, so Baron is going to kind of uh, walk down the aisle okay. of the church through the pews, uh, kind of uh, rubbing his hair in shame, like kind of the work he sees here versus the work he carved into the chelish devil. Kind of met the same things and just kind of in wonder of uh, what it's kind of supposed to look like when it's all working out. And hopefully he'll stumble upon some clergy as he goes back more. So if he walks down there, maybe he sits at like one of the pews towards the front just kind of sits there in thought and after a little while a kindly older dwarven uh, man uh, sidles uh, from the other long side of the pew up towards you and says uh, welcome my son what brings you to Torag's hallowed halls well father my name is Baron Ash Peak, and um, I've been a wandering soul for some time, and I've been doing a lot of soul searching in my journeys, and uh, I, I think I've dedicated my life to Torag again, but I did it on my own time, and I, I'm looking for the authority to actually be an inquisitor of Torag. 
yes, a inquisitor. That is a usually a much more difficult and uh, involved path than that of a cleric. Um, are you uh, mostly interested in choosing a more militant path toward Torag? I've seen what's out there, Father. And I know that it's not just going to take the strength we've been given by God himself, Torag, but we're going to have to end up using the enemy's own magic and weapons against them. And I, I just can't do that in good conscience without knowing I'm in good standing with the church. Well, I... Unfortunately, I do not have the power to tell you that. You will have to look within yourself, look within your actions. Have you lived a good life lately? I don't I don't know about that, Father. I've always tried to do things to help everyone else around me, but I've killed in cold blood a man named Screed who was running away from me. I met a friend, a dead friend's ex lover's wife after he died and I was unkind to her. I hired a killer to help me on my quest without thinking about the consequences. And I I handed a gun I handed a gun to to my friend Umlo and offered him to kill himself because I thought it'd be better than living this way. So I don't know what kind of life I don't know what kind of life I'm living anymore, Father. He like reaches and around <laughs> and puts his hand on your shoulder. It's all right, my son. It's all right. The path to a righteousness, whether it be an inquisitor, a fighter, a holy man, it doesn't matter. You have to atone for your sins. How do I do that, Father? You ask, what would Torag do? <laughs> I've got it on this bracelet on my wrist. <laughs> Every time you're about to do something, you ask, what would Torag do? No, you... <laughs> God. <laughs> Unfortunately, in these times that we live in, killing is a part of life. You need to survive. And sometimes that means removing your opponent from the face of Galarian. But you must ask yourself, why are you doing it? I'd like to think I've always been doing everything I've done in order to to help save the small folk of this town called Trunow. And, and there's some real evil out there. I'm thinking it might help save even more people than that. But sometimes I think I might just be uh, keeping myself this busy to uh, to run from my past. I ran away from my family, and I'm trying to figure out what my my true calling is. And hopefully I'll find it in Torek. But as long as you think I can use my best judgment to, to figure that out on my own, I'll keep on doing that, Father. Well, just you coming here shows that you're probably on the right path. Judgment. Use your judgment. I'll try to take my mantle as the protector of Belkson and 
I know I've dealt with pious men and I've dealt with dirty fiends and I guess talking with you I know that leaves me somewhere in between. As much as I've tried to be Torag's hand on this plane, I've come to realize I'm a fisher in a way. A fisher of men. And if I can't kill these people tearing this world apart, I'll find someone who can in my place. In Torag's name, hopefully. I'm the tip of the iceberg. The edge of the avalanche. The crest of the tsunami that will crash down upon all who stand against the small folk of this world and will wash away their sin. I've set into motion something much bigger than I could have imagined. Torag's will be done. Damn. He nods, cups you on the shoulder, and walks away. Now, Sir Will, you have a similar interest. You want to head to a temple of Iomide. I do. Well, <laughs> it's funny, too, because it's for pretty similar reasons. <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a little bit harder time. You know, you get all cleaned up. You shine up your armor. Shine up Lexington's armor. Are you taking Lexington with you? Uh, no. No, I, I would um, uh, I would I would have selected a place that had some sort of stable. Sure. And, yeah, sure. Um, so he'll, he'll be well taken care of there. I gave a little extra little extra coin to the uh, dwarven boy that was handling the horses. He Take bit, extra care of this he bit it to make sure it was real. <laughs> um, so are you walking about in your armor or in your finery? No, in finery. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. you've got the. Your your night your Sunday best on your Wednesday best. God, I hope you don't drop a random encounter on me. My my AC is eleven, <laughs> and you're unmounted. Uh, you're cornered by a bunch of dwarven thugs. Sir Will would he's a level ten cavalier paladin, and he would get his ass kicked <laughs> by a common thug. You're so lucky that uh, the belt of stone shape is so formal looking. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Some really nice embroidery on there. You could go actually, yeah. Those 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 bullies would run off as soon as I turned into a large earth. <laughs> yeah, that would do the trick. <laughs> You'll be all right. You'll be fine. Uh, so you have a little bit tougher time finding a, a church of Iomade, even though I, Iomade worship is prevalent throughout all of uh, you know the inner sea. This is this is dwarf country, but sure enough, you do find one um, just oh, as beautiful. God. Like Just as beautiful, and and there are dwarves uh, milling about, dwarven worshippers of Iomade, as well as the the humans and halflings and gnomes and other races that frequent Yerndahov. So you go inside, and um, everything is just uh, the sword of Iomade. Obviously, is all over the place. Everything, is, the heraldry is all like battle scenes. It's like. Iomade crushing uh, a rebellion, like leading a charge of warriors uh, into uh, into the fray. It's very uh, uplifting. Oh, yeah. Um, get your juices flowing. Um, and uh, you see people about. Is there anyone particularly you're looking for? I'm looking for a priest. If there's a, a priest nearby, could you direct me in that, in that direction? Oh, yes, there's a priest. Uh, she's right up there. Uh, I'm sure she'll speak with you. She's very nice. What is her name? Suzette. 
<laughs> Good job, Valley. I knew you didn't have a name plan. Her name is Suzette. <laughs> she makes a wonderful crepe. <laughs> yes. It's so fresh. She's known for her crepes. <laughs> She's known for her crepes and her love of Ioba Day. <laughs> See ya. He scuttles off. Picks Will's pocket and then scuttles off. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so Sir Will would like to... to Make headway to this woman, but as respectfully as possible. Obviously, if she's involved in, in prayer or talking to someone else, he's going to bide his time, wait his turn. But she's up near the altar, kind of. Uh, she's moving things about the altar, like um, maybe resetting things for a service or uh, just gently um, cleaning things. She's not dressed in armor or anything. She's dressed in robes, mm. um, but uh, she doesn't. She doesn't appear to be unapproachable. Okay. Uh, Sir Will will come up and I'll just you know announce himself. Excuse me, priestess. Uh, yes, hello. And this dwarven uh, priestess of Iomide, uh, priestess Suzette, turns around and she's very pretty. She's got a you know a rugged look to her. Um, she's a little bit taller than you, um, but still not very tall. And she's like, uh, yes. Um, my child, um, what brings you to the halls of Iomide? I am Sir Willamette Keswick of Highbury in Mendev. I am down this way, a long way from home, and I much needed to find a house of Iomide to hopefully recenter myself a bit and to well, if you would, I, I would like to speak with you about my journey here. And I'm afraid it, it was fraught with peril. And I am guilty of, of some sin. And I would like to discuss it with you if it's not too much trouble. Oh, that's, that's no trouble at all. Um, she looks like for a place, it, it's a little busy in there. There's uh, clergy running about. And so, Iomide's a huge deal. It's kind of a big deal. And <laughs> there's probably not as many churches of Iomide, so this one's a little busy. So she's like, uh, uh, please come this way into my chambers. And she takes you to the back, and there's like, you know, offices and whatnot behind mm. the altar, a little hallway. And she takes you into a very modest uh, little uh, office area, motions to a seat uh, behind her uh, desk. Heraldry of Iomide all over the walls, uh, carved into wood. It's a. Uh, pretty beautiful but you know time to take in the sights um, you know this is not a uh, a formal confession of course but I'm happy to hear uh, any sins you may have to confess well if, if you wish it to be more formal I, I would certainly understand for what I'm about to say is well I have not taken it lightly and I don't think anyone would who heard it I well, I'm guilty of many things, not the least of which is pride, of course. I left my home in search of glory, and I wanted to defeat the legions of evil in Iomade's name, and I feel like I may have had best intentions at heart, but I... Truly, I wanted renown for myself in some way. I wanted my family to know that I was worthy of their name... And I think that may have set me on a, a path that 
led me to place myself before the Code of Iomidae. Well, I had been transferred many times. I don't have to tell you that I am a halfling, and by my size I am not particularly suited to combat. And so I was transferred through several regiments, and I felt that they did not understand what I was capable of. And it was in a town of in the town of Trunau that I was given an opportunity to leave from the legions and go with a small band and prove my honor the way I wanted to, the way I would be able to. And I wanted to return a, a champion, a great champion that was fighting a, a threat of giants near the borders of the Minespin Mountains that were threatening the small folk near Trunau. Well, that was prideful enough, but during my journey, I found that I was wrong about being a champion against giants. I was weak-willed and prone to temptation. When I felt the ease with which evil magic brought relief from pain and, and revitalization for the next battle and the next after that, I... I became consumed with it. I lost myself and focused only on completing my mission, on getting my glory, my honor, even if it meant selling my soul. The worst part is that when I finally did fall from grace and felt my connection to the goddess severed, I shifted blame from myself I spouted petty excuses about the crimes committed against me when it was I who made the decision to eschew my faith for a brief and fleeting feeling of comfort and pleasure. But I do not wish to do that anymore. And he pulls out of a satchel the jar of demon's blood that he stole from Della mm -hmm. and has been carrying around. And he says, This vile component this vile vile this vile vile <laughs> was when imbued with the right magic it, it would heal our party time and again in our fight against an evil deep behind enemy lines and I used it of my own free will and I did it more than once without it I don't know that we would have survived and as he says it it's kind of like this realization like if we didn't use it we wouldn't have survived you know but herein lies its deception indeed it is the blood of evil itself that would make us feel strong and righteous all while it slowly rotted our hearts I never thought that I would so swiftly betray Iomide that I would so easily take the easy path to victory and in so doing, strengthen the cause of lesser evils. We defeated a, a great evil, my companions and I, but we set another free, stronger than it was before. And all I can say is that I'm sorry. I offer no excuses or justification. I am guilty of breaking the code of Iomidae, of breaking my oath as a knight of the Order of the Shield, and 
I put myself at your mercy. The goddess did return my powers in my hour of need, but I feel that I owe the church a penance, and if you will have me as a paladin of Iomidae and as a knight of Highbury, I feel I must confess these sins and know how I will be punished. Oh, yes, she reaches across the table and picks up the vial of demon's blood and kind of holds it up to the light. Glimmers red as the sunlight's coming through the stained glass window in her room. And she holds it up and she just places it back down on the table between the two of you. Seems as if, like many before you and many after you, you lost your way. You speak of seeking glory and honor for your house. You speak of returning home a champion, but these are not things that a follower of Iomide is interested in. A follower of Iomide is interested in righting wrongs, in eliminating evil at its root. If glory comes, it is a byproduct. It should not be the end goal. There are some paladins and clerics out there that think you can go about doing these things by any means necessary. I'm sure you now know that that is not true. I do not have the power to forgive you your sins, bless you, or consecrate you for the evil acts you have committed. Only Iomide can but it seems as if she already has. If you are to walk in the path of Iomide, you must follow her tenets. Fight not for yourself, but for her. I know that now. I, I swear I, I will never... I will never give in to such easy temptation again, even if it means my life. I will fight in her name, and I will not seek personal glory then you won't need things like this. She takes it, pulls out a waste paper basket, and just throws the demon's blood in a simple little waste basket. <laughs> it under it. I'm That's confiscating this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, she's going to be drinking it later with all her buddies. <laughs> pouring it all over her chest. <laughs> no, it, it's actually kind of awesome. There's no big act of ceremony. Yeah, I was, I was it, like, throwing it against the wall. It's just trash. Which is simple trash. Your mind gives weight to these things. Do not worry about these superficial things. Focus on finding honor in your heart and walk in Iomide's shadow. I cannot tell you how comforting it is to be in this place and to talk to a fellow follower of Iomide. It has given me a breath of fresh air and I thank you so much for your time. I will not disturb you any further. No disturbing at all. Please come visit us again next time your journeys take you to Yandroff. I will. And, uh, and he heads out. A, a lightness in his step. It feels good to... Skips out. Yeah. Bare feet and fancy free. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bare feet and fancy free. <laughs> Walking on sunshine starts yeah. playing in the background. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, so 
Pembroke and Faraza want to go check out this monument. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously you're not going to bring your iPhone to take photos. You just want to kind of take it all in visually. Yeah. All right. So you uh, you can find out pretty easily where this is. Uh, Faraz is interested in, in going with you. What are you guys talking about during the, the walk? Uh, well, I Pembroke really wants to talk to her about magic theory. Uh, like the difference oh, yes. between... Uh, theoretical and practical differences between arcane magic and druidic magic. I'm, I'm, fasc- I'm utterly fascinated by this. I, I've, I'd never get a chance to speak to someone who's an expert. I am an. All, I, am, I can only profess to be an expert in my own experience. Well, let me uh, and just talk about that. And uh, um, I think what was the? Could you remind me uh, what was the name? What were the contents of the note that we found on Earthash's body? Like, what, who did it implicate? Uh, there were letters, like a X, and uh, I'd have to. I, I don't have my notes directly in front of me, but it said like the package arrived uh, safely in Skiergard. Yeah, and uh, can I do um, knowledge history for Skiergard, or would you? advise against doing yeah that. no you, you absolutely can all right i'm gonna do that pembroke rolls a 20 20 okay um learned man very high intelligence you do faintly remember reading about um a skirkaling tribe that became a scourge upon northwestern nadal western Nirmathas in southeastern Varesia a long time ago. There were lots of these tribes um, at the time, and so Skiergard might have been the home base of the Skierkaling tribe using linguistics, very high linguistics. You would yes. think that Skierkaling, Skierkaling, that was probably, Skiergard. they lived in this self, self-proclaimed town, this tribe called it Skiergard. Stronghold. And yeah. So would this be uh, an anomalous to... Uh, uh, European Vikings. Or so this, this is what I'm. I'd It'd be very to. similar, like um, where the in in Galarian, the land of the Lindorm kings is basically like that's yeah. the akin to sort of all the that's Norse the mythology. Yeah, yeah, Scandinavian. This would be uh, like a, a a giant version of that. Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. because when you think of especially uh, where you know there's some frost giant action going on. Yeah, the frost giants there. are like. Very specifically drawn from Norse folklore. Right. And they reflect that in their style of dress. They're like giant Vikings. So maybe these Jarls uh, formed Uh, a tribe and called it Skiergard. So would I know if they were actually Frost Giants? We we believe that, right? Yeah, you feel pretty strongly uh, based on the information that you have um, that it is. So yeah, I think he just, along the way, he wants to talk to Feraza just about as little information as we have to go on. To just kind of let her know what he knows about the region and the place and the tribe. And he's also basically saying hello to everyone in the street that he sees in Dwarvish. <laughs> <laughs> hello, yes. Getting a um, kick out of speaking yes. Dwarven. Yeah, he's just like, he's so happy to be out in the field again, filling my lungs with air from, from the great underground. This is, his constitution has actually gone up once since... Uh, ah. so he's like he's kind of you know feeling a little stronger my dear um, Pembroke may I ask you are you going to ally yourselves with our new friends and head to this dangerous place oh yes yes that is my intention I, I feel as if 
I left my post at the university in part hoping to find hope that I could uh, make a difference again in the real world outside of the academic. And uh, this seems to be as good a chance as I'm likely to get. And yet you may give up your life for this mission. Are you prepared for this? There may surprise you to hear that, yes, I am fully prepared to lose my life in such a cause. That's, uh, we need not speak of such things. No, 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 not of course. Not in this awesome place. Awesome in the traditional sense, not in the California surface speak sense. (laughs) 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 And we've established, even though you maybe uh, Pembroke hasn't been to a Sky Citadel before, but he's a traveler. When you met uh, Laura, when you met Faraza, didn't you say like, oh, I'm from Assyria? I've been, yeah. Oh, oh, yes. No, I've been traveling extensively (laughs) in Assyria. Yes. So all these exotic smells and foods that you probably haven't tasted in a long time. Yeah, oh yeah. He's Maybe you're just, stopping at like a rabbit on a stick vendor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he, he feels like a young man again. Like yeah. He's reminded of like being, you know, out. Do you uh, have a modium AD in your spell book for that rabbit on a stick? Because I have eaten <laughs> street vendor food in exotic locations. It's, it's, it's all right. It's that's, all right a, okay. that's a cantrip. It's fine. So talk to me about this <laughs> monument that you want to see that Faraza is interested in seeing as well. So these are these spectacular uh, caverns uh, based basic, uh, sort of on the uh, glittering caves of Aglarond from uh, the uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, they're these uh, natural caverns that the dwarves burst into, dwarven miners, quite by accident. Um, some over a thousand years ago, and they left them as they were. Uh, I'm making all this up, by the way. This is right, right. Uh, <laughs> But now, since we're official, it's cannons. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they le- uh, their their uh, their reverence for natural stone. They uh, left it as it was, and it is a it is a draw uh, for uh, for peoples who are interested in such things from many leagues around, such as us, such as us. As you approach. The area, you've asked about it, and some people give you looks like, why would you want to go there? You know, the, uh, when you ask dwarves especially, they're like, why would you want to go there? But, okay, yeah, it's, it's down that way, down that way. You guys travel for maybe a couple hours. It just gives you a sense of the scope of this place, just going through tunnels and tunnels. You'll be lucky if you can find your way back. Um, but you get there, and it's pretty heavily guarded. Hmm. The guards are just standing out front. Uh Pardon me, uh, good sirs in Dwarvish. Um, uh, Chazad, Baruch Chazad, Chazad Aymenu. Um, can we get through? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, uh, how far are you uh, interested in going? You can only go so far, obviously. Well, I, I, I've I, heard tell of the spectacular caverns, and uh, we were hoping to see uh, the greater... The glittering. Yes, the glittering caves. We were hoping to see the, uh, the cathedral, uh, the, uh, the cathedral chamber, if, if, if it's open. Well, uh, clearly you're not from around here. Uh, you can't just go walking through these ruins. As you know, uh, we have to keep them heavily guarded as we've Centuries of digging too deep into the earth have opened up a pathway straight to the Darklands. Oh, yes. And oh. we've had some problems as of late. Do you not know who you are addressing, my good sir? You are addressing Professor Pembroke the Potent, an expert in these matters. I myself am a scholar of ruins, but only an amateur compared to my friend here. <laughs> well, Professor... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say Spits the word <laughs> the, uh, You go too far in there Your uh, tenure will be over 
Well, I have voluntarily abrogated my tenure, you'll be happy to hear, so <laughs> I can assure you we'll be quite careful, and we are more than capable of taking care of ourselves, if that is your concern. He turns to the other guard, like, you guys want to go on? <laughs> well, see, you, you can go a good a couple hundred yards in. You might see a little bit of the glittering, but when you see more guards, that's as far as you're going to go. We can't let you go in any farther. You. You'll get yourself killed, and then go we'll get in trouble. Of and then I have to fill out a ton of paperwork. Of course. You understand what it's like. If so. there's a waiver or anything you'd like us to sign, we'd no, be That's fine. We just don't get a lot of people asking to go down there. So, uh, you know, if you want to why. check it's it out, be I'm quite sure spectacular. you can, We think it's probably fine. Yeah. Right, you can go in there. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thank and you very yeah, much. I hope, right. I hope it wouldn't be considered gauche to offer you uh, a token of uh, of our gratitude and he pulls out like uh, 10 gold pieces and like whoa gives it to him that's quite a token oh uh well that's that's not not necessary but that's that's very very kind please I'm sorry i, if I wanted to see this for rough. many many years and i deeply appreciate it my companion and i both deeply appreciate we it. we are in it's your very, debt it's very yes. nice of you i mean i'm in yours uh i just you know i i, I didn't mean to be i didn't mean to be rude it's just that we've had some uh accidents lately um if you don't mind me asking yes what kind of accidents well um the 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 sort of passageways you just never know um there's so many of them and we can't possibly uh guard every single one of them sometimes things just come up my partner, he's a little bit of a, uh, he believes in, like, uh, fairy tales and whatnot, but he thinks that there's just this, like, growing evil in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the world's the same as it was a couple of years ago, same as it was yesterday, same as it'll be tomorrow, but he thinks there's this growing evil in the world that is drawing the dark power out of the dark lands. We've had some stories lately of children going missing, uh, you know, teenagers not finding their way home we haven't seen any bodies or anything so i'm not prone to believe that there are actually creatures coming up but listen i just follow the rules don't go too far in you'll see how far you can go the uh, other guards that no matter how many gold pieces you give me you're not going to get by i thank you we are we are duly duly warned and thank you and i would advise your friend that it is natural to feel that there is a growing darkness in the world, and I would gently advise him to stay off Twitter for a while, and he'll probably feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I gently advise him. His wife's name is Twitter. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him. This guy told me to tell you to stay off your wife. What? What do you say about my wife? Hey, <laughs> Adam. Twitter Oak and Shield is a saint. <laughs> Roll for initiative. <laughs> Twitter Oak and Shield is a saint. <laughs> can she? Get, can she get us verified on Twitter? Is that, is that who we have to talk to to get the check mark? I can verify if you know he's on Twitter every night. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. I think this guy is... retweeted your wife. Do you really? <laughs> All right. Uh, so so, so you do so, get in. I, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and, you. and you walk through, and it, it it's beautiful, but it's, it's a little more... Um, 
preserved like you assumed than when you walked in and every inch of stone had was carved into something. This is preserved preserved a little more naturally where you see that the the it was more um for utility the dwarves were mining these mm. uh these halls and then some of it they turned into a, a beautiful portion you can see the glittering in the distance but as you go uh, you know a few hundred yards in there is this just cold creeping all over you you can feel the darkness permeating the a halls. sense of dread perhaps yes mm. uh, it's palpable and and Parazi, you feel it as well, and you don't know if it's maybe just you get wrapped up in the the ghost stories like uh, that guard's partner, or if there really is a, a sense of dread uh, filling coming up from below the earth. Well, uh, shall we push forward? Uh, I'm feeling a bit uneasy. I will not lie. Yes, I I, I feel the same. You also feel a bit ill at ease. Well, perhaps um, we should, um, seeing as we are bereft of our uh, of our uh, companions at the moment, perhaps we should commit this beauty to memory and retreat for the moment. I defer to your intelligence, my mm. my friend. Well, at least I saw some of it, and it, it is beautiful. But um, that feeling that this is your time off right now, you you can enjoy it without wanting to delve deeper. There are other battles to fight. But again, the Darklands just creeping up like those mines you guys saw in Mineral's Valley. Oh, Remember when you were walking when you found the Ash Peak name? Mm-hmm. And you're like, uh, I really want to go down there. I was but. just thinking about that a couple of days ago. Someone I knew just got to that episode. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Is the studio haunted? <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, this is not necessarily the way he wants to spend his vacation. So I think he's, I think he's seen what he came to see, and he's right. He's okay to go back now. You guys retreat back. Baron's still uh, kind of walking around, and and maybe he is is still looking um, for information about the Nargrimkins, and kind of getting turned around at every. Um, point not not getting any information no one knows who they are uh farazi you make it back and you know lork wanted to uh gotta see a man about a horse he's gotta see a man about a horse um (laughs) he's gotta see a horse about a man so you wild shape and uh lork i think this time i go camel you go camel okay (laughs) that's a good city ride yeah yeah um, not too yeah. fast. We're under, knock anyone it's over. Like rocks. Yeah. It's a rocky ground. Lork is yeah. going to put on a golden headdress. <laughs> <laughs> and and you've got dressing around your wounds yeah. and stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, mm. you know, you tell her what you want to do. Where are we going, my friend? Um, I, I don't remember the way. I, I just knew he was, I think, a priest of, of Torak, I think. But perhaps we can ask around a bit. And he just wants to kind of uh, ask around about uh, a powerful priest of Torag, uh, cler- I'm sorry, yeah, a cleric, a powerful cleric of Torag with, uh, with healing powers. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's plain to see. I mean, he's lost his feet. This is, uh, 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 it's obvious. And he'll explain, you know, he's looking to get this healed. Is there a great healer in the city? Mm-hmm. 
And, and, you know, if you ask people and mention uh, that you remember that he was around 20, 25 years ago yeah. uh, as well and that he helped out your brothers, you are directed to someone that they think is probably the guy. They're not 100% sure, but they basically tell you uh, in, in no uncertain terms that, like, at least he'll treat you, your people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... If he's not the guy, at least he's not going to look down his nose at you and not treat a, an orc, a half orc. Right. To them, they're, to a lot of the people, they're all the same. Um, so you are directed uh, to this place. It's probably about, oh, 40 minutes from where you are. Um, so you guys have some time to chat. Um, so you can speak. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I look, the the reason is that when you are using natural spell, you use like grunts and other animal yeah, that's sounds to create not actually... the incantation. Right. But with now with wild speech, you actually just use your language. Where are we going, Locke? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, yeah, I would think for us it is just kind of quizzing Lork about true now. Like, Godfrey's getting better as the episode goes on. It's improving. It, it's, <laughs> it's better with age. It's a Pretty kind line. Sure. I think she's like just quizzing Lork about like what's the town like? Well, who's in charge? Like who run? Like what? What? What are do far foreigners welcome there? Like what? Is, like all of this kind of information. Yeah, and you're getting looks everywhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, he's just talking to a horse. We're talking to a horse. <laughs> a, cam- a camel. A camel. I'm sorry, a camel <laughs> with two stump legs. Oh, that's wrapped fine. up. Right. Yeah. So I thought that guy was talking to a horse, but then oh wait, no, I saw the hops. It's like all right, all right. <laughs> that's fine. That's okay. fine. One thing though, Lork, is that you got cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've been out in the shit for a while. Yeah. You got cleaned up. You're you still emaciated, bit, my friend. Um, but you know, you were able to like at least make your to, like bandage yeah. yourself up and not you were just wrapping yourself for the past few weeks in like dirty bandages yeah um you were lucky you didn't get an infection but yeah. now you, you are a sight a six foot you know half orc on a camel yeah. <laughs> going through dwarf town <laughs> and the camel is like so what is the what is the, what is the municipal structure of, of the city of Trunau? <laughs> I will uh Jagrin runs the militia. He's like going through all this. And, and mostly he's just kind of like dodging, dodging, right? And, right. and at a certain point, he kind of not cuts her off, but he's just like, um, you know, he's talking about how the sewer system works. And he's like, I, uh, I, I've, got, I've got to tell you something, Feyraza, before we, before we get to this priest. And I do hope he can take care of my feet. And it's for a reason I'd, I'd like you to know I... I didn't tell you for a while because I just, I wanted to make sure that we'd get to a place where I could get on my own two feet again and be able to, to right this, this wrong. And I think it's going to happen. I feel that it's going to happen here. But before we get there, you, you should know that the mission that you're on, the search for Pudir. The chosen one. I... The chosen one. I know him. What? What? You did not say. I know. Well, I didn't know him as a chosen one. I knew him as a, a child. And I was a child at the time as well. It's been 30 years, but... You'll remember when we met. I told you the reason for my quest was... Some redemption. For a great crime I committed in the past. I murdered a boy. 
and I'm sad to say to you that that boy was Pudir. At least that was the name of the boy I killed. And Faraza just stops walking. I know that it would seem, I mean, if prophecies were meant to be true, that that it wouldn't be possible for some poor, destitute street rat like me to, to kill some someone who was chosen to bring balance between good and evil. He, he was the blood of the gods. How blood could... of the gods? What gods? I, I do not know. I... And for us, would, would, could you kindly dismount, please? She, and she lowers herself to the ground so he can get off. And he's just like sort of like sitting. And she, un- and she unwild shapes. And you're just <sighs> leaning on the, your arm. Yeah. And he's just Can like, I do a sense motive? Yeah, sure. And she's like, it doesn't make any sense that right, like right. some kid would kill the chosen one. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 21. Yeah, I mean, it's unopposed. It's He's telling the truth. Not just telling the truth, but yeah, but his motive is to confess, kind of. Like, that's what's coming across. Why, why did you kill a boy? Well, uh, as I said, I, I was a boy at the time, and there's, there's no reason for it. There's no good excuse. It was murder. But I was a different, a different person back then. He was my enemy, or at least I saw him as that. And where I grew up, your enemies, well, it was kill or be killed. And he was, he was peaceful. He would have been the blood of the gods now that I look back on it. But at the time, I thought that he was trying to poison my boys against me. That he was trying to stop our gang from being able to eat or get food or have a place to sleep by conspiring with the other gangs to share and and be all united together. But you have to understand that that was not how things were done. He he brought an idea that was new and it was wrong. And I I killed him for it. I do not understand. The prophecies said that the Chosen One would not know his power. But to be murdered. And she's just kind of like... I think she's more like just in such disbelief more than anything else. I think she's also kind of like she's keeping her distance from you, but she's just like... Veyraza, I... I didn't think until I met you and, and really until this very moment that maybe... He could have stopped it. And he didn't. I knew that he had given over to the crime and that he had forgiven me at the time. But I think that it's possible this was part of his path. That you and I were part of it. I'm realizing it as I say it now because a great oracle in true now, Katrezra, told me to seek the Skoan Kwa. He said, 
they knew about the dead and undeath. He said it might alleviate a curse that I had been living under. A curse that very well may have come from killing such a well-meaning lad. Well, I thought it might have just been for killing somebody good, good-hearted. Somebody like Galabras. Well, you don't know Galabras, but you will one day. Well, maybe there was much more to it than that. And if this place, the Skoan Kwa, if they can connect to the world of the dead, then maybe you can connect with Pudir. There. And maybe that's what he wants you to do. Oh, sounds ridiculous. I am gravely disheartened to hear this, my friend. But you have suffered much for your crime. And I will tell you, I do not think I can trust you the same as I did before. Aye. But I will... I believe our only path forward is to go on this quest that you speak of. We will do this, but I fear the world is in a much graver position than it was before I knew this. Oh, it's a dark time everywhere, I feel. And if what you say is true, I fear for the lives of all of the people of this continent. <laughs> Lork gets like, Uncomfortable. <laughs> He's like, I really fuck. Did I really fucked up. Did you I curse really the cause the end of the world? I, I cursed Avistan. Oh, man. Um, he's gonna say, if you wouldn't mind, get me to this church on time. <laughs> Camel up. If I could get the, if I can, if this priest is still alive and I can get my feet. We will go on this quest and hopefully stop the great dangers from settling in this continent. Uh, so yeah, and Ferrazzo just very curtly, not curtly, but like very, she's incredibly sad. Thinking like, about a million different things. Yeah, sad, the whole, yeah. like the, she's concerned the whole world is now in danger. <laughs> so she, but she wild shapes in, uh, back into a camel and lets Lork mount her, but not in the dirty way. Um, but as they're walking down the street, I think I, I never thought from you, Matthew. We were all <laughs> I was trying quiet. To, I was trying go. to head it off. Grant, look, Grant's—he's not even on his mic. He's leaning back. Let it go. I never yeah. even thought that. <laughs> I was thinking about the humps. <laughs> you know, Matthew, you always play a woman who's disappointed with us, and today we play men disappointed in you. <laughs> well said, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so you you camel up, throw them on your back, and make your way to this. And and as you direction. as if you take a close look, or if the dwarves on the streets of Yanderhof took a close look, they would see the camel is crying. Oh, oh, it's just. It's probably just the wind. Fuck's right in the moment. <laughs> People are like, a camel's tears gonna rain tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> We're underground. Outside it rained here in centuries. <laughs> but they always said, when you see a camel's tears, <laughs> when the rain rises up from the earth. So you make your way to where they told you uh, this 
guy would be someone who, if he's not your guy, at least will treat uh, half orcs and orcs, maybe not orcs. Uh, <laughs> you go down this modest street and see a, like a shack um, in the distance. Oh, really? It's a shack. Yeah, nothing fancy. Um, and there is a symbol of Torag on the door that looks like it was uh, hand carved mm. by someone that isn't an artisan. Um, maybe the priest himself did it or herself um very unassuming okay um but if it's this is what you were you you were told this is what it was going to look like so you come up to the hut and pharaoh's i'd i'd like you to do this with me in your your natural form uh faraza will will de wild shape and she'll cast ant hall on herself so she can kind of carry you oh, more easily. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> baby carry. Not baby carry. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you knock on the door. Yeah, knock on the door, yeah. Who's there at this hour? I'm sorry to disturb you, but I've, I'm afraid I've been injured and I need your services. Injured? I didn't hear any battles going on in the streets today. What oh, kind of injury you got? I've, uh, I've lost my feet. They've been amputated. Ah. The door opens, and this rather stout, obviously small, dwarven man, completely bald, with long white mutton chops, not even a beard, no mustache, <laughs> that, like, hang down uh, to his, uh, you know, right above his pectoral muscles. Um, and he's played by Robert Loja. <laughs> oh no! Oh. The, late, the late great Robert Lowe. Oh man! <laughs> you say you lost your feet. You didn't say you were a greenskin. What's your name, there, soldier? My name is Lork Iron Tusk. I, uh, I, I recognize you from oh decades ago. I came here with the Black Arrows. You treated some friends of mine. But it's been decades. I wouldn't suppose you'd remember me. Ah, oh, the Black Arrows. Of course I remember the Black Arrows. Iron Tusk, you say, huh? Not your birth name, I take it. Ah, uh, no, it was a name they gave me in the in the Arrows. Yeah. You don't know your birth name, probably. Uh, None no, of you do. None of you do. Don't. Well, uh, it's the worst case of athlete's foot I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sure you understand that this uh, thing you're interested in uh, having me attempt to do is uh, rather pricey. Aye, aye, we know. It, it happened while I was taken prisoner by giants. It was giants that done it to me, and, well, they got what they had coming to them, and they left a hoard of treasure behind. So I got the gold to pay for it. Giants, you say? And he walks into the light, and now you see that his entire right eye is missing, and there's a huge gash leading from, like, above uh, his forehead all the way down to his chin, and the eye is missing. Ooh. The name's Nezalin Splintershield. A soldier name, like yours. Of course, my fighting days are long over. If you've got the gold, come on in. Hop up on the table. I'm sorry, my lady, though. This process, you'll have to go about it alone. Then Peraza looks to Lork. Aye, it's it's all right. So she kind of 
Can she put him on the table? Sure, sure. I can't lift him. Not with my back. <laughs> uh, um, so Frazzle will put him on the table, and then she'll... I think she, Frazzle also wants to go off and, like, think about things. Sure. Sure, she might just leave. Process. Like, <laughs> process. Process this knowledge. Consider, uh, yeah. Uh, what to do? As she's walking out. Feyraza, thank you for bringing me here. And I'm, and I'm sorry. If what you say is true, my friend, as I have mentioned before, it is not for you to be sorry. It is the world. And she leaves. He ushers you in. You're, you're up on the table already. He shuts the door. Now, before I collect the money, I have to be up front with you. I must tell you this type of magic. There are no guarantees. I don't charge extra for green skins, though. You can be sure of that. You may not find the same courtesy with other dwarves in town. That being said, if the gods do see fit to restore your limbs, then you can dance right out of here for all I care. But the gods' will is their own. What I'm saying is, if the divine powers do not see fit to grant you your wish, there are no refunds. Still interested? All right. I... I am. He starts unwrapping the bandages. He's a little rough. Kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, uh, But, you know, he's just... He's doing the best he can. May I ask as he's doing it? Uh-huh. Uh, may I ask where you served? Well, I uh, I served all over. I wasn't a great warrior, but I held my own. I fought with dwarves. I was cocky. I was headstrong. There was a time I could. I thought I could take on a whole giant army by myself, and my God, looks like you did as well. How did you say you lost your feet again? Well, we tried to take on a whole giant army. Only three or four of us. And, uh, sorry, one, one we lost. They captured the rest and, uh, well, as a lesson to everyone else, not to try to escape, they, they removed my feet. And, uh, it, I don't have to tell you it was bloody painful. And it has been for a long time since. Couldn't even give you the honor of a clean cut. Looks like they pulverized these things. I, I've been, uh, been living with it every day, but my, my companions came back for me and pulled me out of there. So I owe them my life and it's not worth much if I don't have a pair of feet to help them out. So that's why I'm here. If I can get well again, then I can continue the fight and, and... Hopefully give as much as they've given to me. Ah, yes, the fighting, the fighting. It'll it'll be the death of us all. I could tell right away this is the work of a savage giant, of course. A giant, yes, yes. That's what giants do. They take things. They take things from the small folk. They took my whole regiment. The last day I ever fought... Watch them all die right around me. Friends, sisters, brothers. All dead. By a trap. Sprung by these monsters. You were a soldier. You know what it's like. Aye, the same thing happened to me. When I was in the Arrows, I lost 
an entire platoon. To a man they were killed and I, somehow I survived and crawled my way back. A fire giant it was. And I, I've hated him ever since. Fire giant was a frost giant that did me in. They all died. Right in front of me and I was left face to face with one of these behemoths bearing down on me with a great axe the size of you. Largest creature I've ever seen. Must have been 20 feet tall if he was a yard. I held my own as best I could, but those frost giants, fire giants, you know they are fierce, martial opponents. They aren't lumbering hill giants or feeble-minded inbred ogres. Were it not for my shield, he would have carved off half my face in one swoop. As it was, the shield exploded and I lost my eye instead. Is that where you got the name Splinter Shield? Aye, Iron Dusk, it was. But it was also Torag's will that kept me alive. Because that damn thing took me for dead and walked off. And I never did fight again. I returned home, broken, like you. Barely any will to live. But yet again, Torag came to my rescue. I pledge my life to his service. All the while he's like grabbing things around and pouring ointments on you and stuff. And I've worked in his name ever since. I can't tell you how many times I've restored a man's limbs or sight or cured him of some deadly disease or poison. I've made so many physically broken people whole again. In all my years of prayer, though, I could never understand why Torag wouldn't answer my prayer and give me back my eye. Of course, as I've gotten older, I've realized that he gave me more than a mere eye ever could fix, for I see better than any creature I've ever met. I see by your sword there they were father of Gorham, are you? Aye. Well, as I said, I can't guarantee anything. I work for Torag. I don't speak for Gorham. He's divine powers. They, they work in strange ways. But if Gorham and Torag see fit to answer your prayer and give you back your feet, remember this, Lork the Iron Tusk. It takes more than having two feet or two arms, or two eyes, to walk, and to fight, and to see in this world. Here, drink this. He hands you something and just kind of pours it into your mouth, mm. and it is strong, <laughs> stronger than anything Baron's ever given you. Bathtub gin. <laughs> Bite down on this. He gives you like a dirty wooden spoon. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work, but if it does... It's gonna hurt. <laughs> does Faraza for, does Faraza wait around for him? I I think she's sitting outside the hut. I think she's like literally just sitting on the ground, thinking, <laughs> thinking, praying, trying to like rethink through all the conversations she ever had about the chosen one in her head. But yeah, she's sitting outside, and you just hear a blood curdling <laughs> scream. Uh. <sighs> A lork at the top of his lungs. 
Meanwhile, back at the Gilded Hammer, imagine Baron, Pembroke, and Sir Will are maybe enjoying a pint. I don't know. Is Pembroke a teetotaler? Or does he enjoy no, a, no, a fine no, I'll enjoy a, a drink pint, from time to time? A pint of ale every once in a while. Baron, you get to have some of your old drinks. I mean, great ales from uh, all around the world. Yeah, I'm basically turning into real life Troy at this point. Right, right. Just walking like, through a brewery, oh. like, oh, I love the smell. <laughs> oh God, the beer! I can't is, believe the oh. beer is fantastic. Drugs, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Will. I mean, uh, you're probably, are you are you a drinker? Will you uh, take one from time to time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a drinker. He can't hold much. So. <laughs> Certainly not these dwarven ales. Yeah, no. So he, he just he has a little bit, but I mean, he used to spend his drinking time boasting about him and his mm. units successes on the battlefield and uh but now he's rethinking it a little bit and he's just doing more listening and uh and and but smiling and laughing and having uh a weight has been lifted uh but he's not he's not thinking that he did anything great hmm. at this point yeah i mean he, he had a talk with the priestess and mm-hmm. he walked out of there feeling like okay I, I think I'm in good shape. <laughs> yeah, know, it was hard to say. Baron kind of had the same thing uh, in his uh, spe- uh, in his dialogue with the uh, the priest. Well, the kindly priest. I, I do think that uh, being able to be uh, vulnerable in front of someone else, which he really hasn't felt comfortable doing with a group of people he's kind of been fighting with and has wanted to have some semblance of leadership with, was a relief in of itself. He just hasn't been able to be like weak in that way in any way. Hmm. So, I mean, the general thing that both Sir Will and Baron, and maybe they're talking about it, maybe they're keeping it themselves, learned is like, you got to figure it out for yourself. No one's going to tell you how to walk in Torag and Iomade's footsteps. And Pembroke had a, a chance to check off another one of uh, things on his bucket list, but also got this sobering reminder of the evil growing in the world. And as you sit there having drinks and celebrating for a moment, um, something Baron must be taken back to is being back at the uh, killing, pub, killing grounds. the killing grounds, right before you guys set out for Minderhall's Valley. So uh-huh. there's got to be that, uh, I feel like I've done this before, and I know how that ended. But you look up in the distance, you see Faraza. Uh, walk into the room and she has a very strange look on her face like she's seen a ghost and behind her walks in Sergeant Lork. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> and we'll see you next time. As I live and breathe. As I live and breathe. Lord Iron Lieutenant Dan, you got your legs back. You got your legs back, Lieutenant Legs back. The Glass Cannon Podcast is a powerhouse and tape production and is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Giant Slayer is copyright 2015. Giant Slayer and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival. 
the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale. It's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now.